Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 begins, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel of the Lord said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples, and behold, Jesus met them, and said, perhaps one of the most understated welcomes ever, greetings. <laughs> I've been thinking about that all weekend. Like, why not, like, told ya? <laughs> or surprise, but instead it's just greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. What's interesting about this story is that everything else about Jesus is something that all historians accept, that Jesus came, that he shared, that these were really his words. They even accept that the earlier prophecies, which were written sometimes a thousand years before him, were fully fulfilled by his lifetime. The part that people have a hard time with, though, is this. It's the resurrection of Jesus. It's the reality of this this person that we believe was just a good man or a good rabbi or a spiritualist, it's his resurrection that, that warps something within inside of us and causes us to, to, to question the validity of it. And that's what Easter is really celebrating. It's celebrating this resurrection and what it means for us as a people. Now, I recognize in this room there are all sorts of folks coming from all sorts of backgrounds, all kinds of different Uh, stories represented here. And so I don't know how the resurrection impacts you. I don't know how you grew up with it, but I do know that the story is for you. Whether you've been hurt by a church or or a family member or or something happened in your life that caused you to question this, the, the, the fact still remains the resurrection is for you and it's for today. And so I want to pray with you and pray for you that God would allow this particular Easter not to be just another religious experience, not to be just another family tradition, but that it would actually be personal, that this would be an intimate Easter, that this would be an Easter that has impact and bearing upon your life, forever changing its trajectory, and I hope forever challenging your purpose and the reason that you're here on this planet. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for every person in this room, for whatever reason they came, whatever agenda they had. Lord, you know all about that, and you also know how to speak directly to their pain, to their hurt, to their valid doubts. Lord, I ask that in this room right now that you would, you would push through whatever it is that's tying 
us up inside, whatever it is that's keeping us bound to the way that we've decided to live our life outside of you, God, if that's the way we've chosen, and may we, God, feel and experience your presence and your purpose for our individual story. May it not be just another church service, God. May it be life ushered forward, just as your resurrection proclaimed. We tremble, God, as we listen and as we worship and as we speak and as we engage with you in anticipation for what it is you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to welcome all the guests that are here today. I know Easter is a high guest weekend, so thank you for being here. Uh, there's lots of great stuff going on in town, and I'm grateful and thankful that you chose to uh, spend your Sunday morning with us. My name is Danny. I am one of the pastors here at Kesset, and I'm going to be sharing uh, the Easter message with you. And um, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time. Also, I want to reg- welcome all of our regular Kesset people. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're excited, and uh, it's Easter. How good is that? Amen. Can we just give? Yeah. I, uh, I told the guys in the back, this is the last one, so let's try some stuff. And my team just kind of looked at me, and that's what I walked off with. Uh, you know, I mean, we got a couple good services recorded, so now let's just see what happens. Uh, we're going to start with uh, kind of the agenda. I just want to be honest with the agenda. Every church that's meeting today... Uh, whether it's in our city or in our country or around the world, all really has the same agenda, and that is to get to a question. And the question is this. Would you be interested in being a Christian? Because Easter is such a highly visited Sunday and because there's often a lot of people that it's more tradition for them than actually a spiritual walk, uh, this is the chance when most people uh, ask this question. So I just want to Remove the tension from the room and let you know that this is the point of today. <laughs> this is, this is, yeah. Just why not? Why not, right? I mean, I mean you, you're already skeptical. Be honest. You're like, what are you trying to sell me? Right? I get it. I get it. So I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with this. Now, in my story as a pastor, I get to spend a lot of time with people, usually people who have come to the end of themselves. Uh, they've come to the end of fi- trying to figure it out. And so they ask somebody who asked somebody who asked me to go sit with them. And I'm a person that shows up because I believe the answer to almost all of our problems is Jesus. And so when I sit with people, after a few questions, after a half hour, 45 minutes of talking about each other's stories, eventually I will lean forward almost every time and ask, would you be interested in being a Christian? And they will then ask usually a few questions, and they're usually broke down to really these two basics. What does Christian provide for me, and what does Christian offer? So I thought today, since we're going to ask the question anyways, I might as well just start by answering your questions that you would ask when I ask it. First, let me tell you what Christianity doesn't offer. People assume Christianity offers all kinds of things that it's not intended to. Like health, that's a big one. If you're a Christian, you're healthy. The next, I think, right up there with that one is wealth. And yet I know a lot of sick and poor Christians. So either they don't have enough faith or the theology's poor. You got to figure it out. The theology's poor, that's right, you got it. You guys are sharp. People also assume Christianity offers success. You're going you're to be successful if you're a Christian. They think it's going to offer some sort of peace of mind that you're never going to worry, you're never going to stress, your anxiety is going to be gone. And yet I know a lot of people that 
worry all the time. And I know they're Christians. They say it's going to offer a certain level, level of tranquility. Perhaps the promise of a better job, a better career, the fulfillment of my dreams and ambitions, and hopefully all my desires. Perhaps everything somebody can articulate has been offered in hopes to get you to be a Christian. I think the overall gen- general sense of Christianity is that it basically offers you whatever you want when people preach it this way. Whatever it is that makes you happy, whatever it is that satisfies you, whatever it is that fulfills your ambitions, your desires, your dreams, that's what people say Christianity offers. I'd say much of this is true. Much of this is exactly what people are selling. Because week after week, in church after church, or on television program after television program, in the name of Christianity, in the name of the gospel, in the name of the church, in the name of evangelism, people are told all kinds of things, promised all kinds of things, and sold all kinds of things in hopes that they would leverage themselves against the person of Jesus Christ and proclaiming in sort of this deal-like fashion, if I do this, will you do all this? But this idea that Christianity offers you everything you really want to be is very confusing and, as I already said, incredibly unbiblical. Instead, if I were to answer the question for you today, I would answer it with what the Bible says. And the Bible's answer is very simple. In a word, what Christian or Christianity offers you is Christ. It's very simple. It's very real. It's very honest. Every time we offer the gospel, we offer Christ. Every time we proclaim that there's a different way, we offer the way, Christ. Every time I meet with someone who finally comes to the end of themselves, let me just, let me say something to some of the younger adults in the room. Um, And if you sit, go verify this at your Easter brunches with people like, like 40 and older. Not that people 30 and haven't figured it out, but just in case you haven't. Um, the sooner you can get to the end of yourself and figure out that you don't really know what you don't really know, the quicker you can learn from other people's lessons and find true meaning in your story. I mean, I don't know how many times people have sat with me, and it does seem to be in their 40s primarily, or their 50s, or even their 60s, where they've gone through a marriage or so, or a relationship or so, or they raised a kid and it didn't work out how they thought, or they had this career and it didn't satisfy, or whichever it was. But the sooner you can get to the end of yourself and realize you don't really know what you don't really know, the sooner you can be someone who asks questions, not only of other people, but of the God who made you as to what it is you're here for. Because if you think you're here to go to that job you have right now, or to be in that relationship you have, or even to raise those beautiful kids you have, and that's your entire purpose, I'm just here to tell you that is unbiblical and broken thinking. Because the kids will move out. And guess what? They marry somebody else who becomes their priority, and then you don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah, I told you, ask some older folks. The career ends. Talked to a man just recently, he retired. His whole existence stopped because that was his purpose. Sometimes spouses die. Sometimes relationships don't work out. If your person is fully fueled by everything around you but the one who actually made you, I'm just here to tell you it will only be a matter of time before you get to the end of yourself. That's why when people say, what is Christian about? I say, here's what Christian offers. It offers a never-ending purpose, a never-ending identity. It offers health, 
of soul. It offers wealth of mind. It offers all kinds of purpose. No matter what this world brings, no matter what happens in this world, it is simply and truly the foundation of why human beings are here. That wasn't even in my notes. That was completely... We're going to try some stuff. We're going to try some stuff. I told you. Let's see what happens. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really this that's the surpassing theme of Scripture. That in having Christ, we have everything. When you have Christ, you have everything. All those things I just talked about. The Apostle Paul Someone who came to the end of himself after getting to a very high level in his world. I mean, he was next in line to be the chief, okay? To be in charge, to be the spiritual overseer of Israel. And he decides to push it all back to be with God who is the overseer of all things. And he says, I exchange all these things because of him. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became, and then he lists the things that Jesus, when he enters your life, offers you and gives you, who became four things, wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Let's just take them one at a time. We'll start with wisdom. He says Christ offers you all wisdom and all the benefits of wisdom, including divine wisdom, not just human wisdom, but also divine wisdom and intuition and ability to read a room or read a person or read a marriage or read a child and know because of the Holy Spirit there is something more inside this person and this story that I must reach, but it's beyond me, and so I'm going to let God speak through me to those people. How many people are going to school? How many people are striving through reading and accomplishing to represent wisdom? To be humble enough to be right all the time without taking credit for it. I mean, people love wisdom. They want wisdom. So they do everything they can to absorb everything they can so that they can be everything to everybody. So that they never have to be the dumb one in the room. They always have the answers. They always have the source. How about righteousness? All the reality and benefits of righteousness. This is this idea that you're a good person. This is this idea that, that you accomplish something, that you do something. Let me tell you, as someone who gets to spend a lot of time with people who want to be good, who want to be, uh, uh, who live good lives, oftentimes the good view of yourself is determined by the crowd you have around you, which is why when you end up hanging out with people that uh, do things that are a little different than you, a little different than your culture, you're like, oh man, they're so judgmental. Oh man, they're so arrogant. Oh man, they're this. And you go back to your crowd where you can be the strength, where you can be the one head and shoulders above, so you can help your buddies and your, and your friends that are down and out because you're the good one. But if you upgrade... Suddenly you have to be the one that's helped. You have to be the one that, that's struggling, and you don't like that. And so oftentimes be careful when you consider yourself a good person because you're, all you're doing is really measuring yourself against other good or worse people. That's why the song says we have friends in low places. <laughs> we don't have friends in high places because they make us feel bad. <laughs> so we, we select about our low friends so we can be helpful and then hopefully record it and post about it. Not that we want all the likes, but we want people to know how helpful we are because we're good. We're righteous. The third one's a spiritual word, sanctification. This is the pursuit and the attainment of holiness. This is the idea I just shared a minute ago that, that everybody's really pursuing a completion of their own story. Whether you realize this or not, this is the entire thing. 
every single person you're meeting is pursuing the completion of their own story. They know there's pieces missing. They're like a 1,500-piece jigsaw right puzzle, and they're trying to figure out how things fit inside them, their lives. And so they add a little drink, or they add a little story, or they add a little career. They add some kids, right? Or they add some of this, and they add some of that. And then they do pretty good for a while, depending on the environment. But then all of a sudden, the environment changes, and they need more, and they need more, and they need more. And they spend all their time trying to attain this completion that God says only he completes. That's why when Jesus comes, he offers himself in two different ways, the bread of life and the living water, because he recognizes that your soul is dying of thirst and hunger. He's the one who completes. This is what Easter's about. It's him proclaiming, it is finished. The offering has been made. All they have to do is come to the altar. All they have to do is come And be a part, and I will complete them, and they will be sanctified. The last one is a beautiful word. It's redemption. All redemption, including not only our soul's redemption, but our bodily redemption. Jesus says, when you accept me, you are redeemed. There is no more shame in your life. There is no more hiddenness in your life. Yeah, you're still going to have tr- struggles. Yeah, you're still going to you're still going to try to you're still going to mess up. You're still going to fall, but at the end of the day, what you're not doing is trying to strive to remove that red from your ledger. You're not trying to accomplish all the time in order to make up for the weaknesses in in who you used to be. Jesus says, "I've redeemed you." This means he's restored you. The Bible says he takes your heart of stone, the one you're born with, the one that that is defensive and secretive and hidden, and he replaces it with a heart of flesh. And your heart of flesh can be hurt, it can be poked, it can be wounded. This is a scary place to be, but he says, that's all right. I went to the scariest place, and I overcame it. So pick up your cross and follow me, he says. Find wisdom in me. Find righteousness in me. Find sanctification in me. Find redemption in me. All of this is found in Christ and so in my life. And it's not perfect. But man, is it beautiful. I've just come to realize this recently. My life is flawed. My life is messed up. I have stories I could tell you. If you knew all my stories, if I knew all your stories... I don't even know if we could do life together. But Jesus knows it all. Jesus accepts it all. He redeems it all. He sanctifies it all. He sees through it all and he accepts me. And do you know what's so amazing about that is suddenly I can tell you right now standing on this stage as I am, the dad I am, the son I am, the brother I am, the the man I am, my life is beautiful and wounded and dripping and solid. And all of this is not because I made good choices. All of this is because my eyes are on Jesus, and I believe that he's more than just a historical figure. I believe that there's something about him that changes everything about me. That was really good. (laughs) It's definitely going to use this service. This is the one we'll use. (laughs) Paul agrees with me, by the way, when he writes his letters to Ephesians and 1 Corinthians. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ 
with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He says, when you have Jesus, you have every spiritual blessing. To all my hyper-churchy friends, I just want you to know that never ever, never ever base your relationship on God with just your church uh, attendance or church experience or even even your uh, your your relationship experience base all of your your relationship with God on his blessings on his spiritual workings within your life because if you just go to a good church but you aren't actually the good church then you're missing something significant about this this is an amazing amazing thing he goes on to say because of that, in 1 Corinthians, for I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, for me, Paul takes it to a whole different level. I'm not here. I admit it. Paul looks at all of this and says, here's the thing. I spent so much time with Jesus, I'm willing to walk away from all of it just to be more with Jesus. And I'm like, ah, I want to be with Jesus, and he's my everything, but I also like some of this stuff. But Paul had a relationship with Jesus I'm striving to have where Jesus was so completing in his life that there was nothing he was missing, nothing he was lacking. He didn't need to preach. He didn't need to teach. He didn't even need to be married. Amen? <laughs> I didn't get a single amen out of that. Nice job, guys. Nice job. Nice job. Not a single guy stepped into that news. They were like, I'm with you. Nope. 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 <laughs> yep, I didn't, I didn't get a single one. But this is the reality. Paul had walked away from it all, from, from his work, from the, the chance to have children, everything, because of what he found and what he saw in Jesus. This is always our message, our message alone. I'll put it on the screen. Christ is Christianity, and he is all there is to offer because he is all that we need. He is above all else, and he brings our life to tremble. Now, I recognize in leading a room, especially this large, that when you pull people one direction, you naturally cause them to leave another. So if, if I was to take all of you and emotionally and spiritually pull you north, naturally it's going to leave this void in the south. And so let me just say this. I realize that when I proclaim that if Christ is all you need and so have everything, I'm also making another statement. This is the tension that you're feeling inside your heart right now, this statement. And this is the statement. In not having Christ, you have nothing. By proclaiming that Christ is everything you need, in not having Christ, what I'm really saying, what the Bible is really saying, and I think the tension that you feel if you're truly not following God as you should, is that when you don't have Christ, what you really have is nothing. At least nothing that lasts. I've spent uh, some time with some ill people over the last few weeks and a lot of time over the last few years. As a matter of fact, I did a funeral just last week. And I just want to give you a little bit of insight into something. When I walk into the room and someone is getting ready to pass from this world to the next and they have Jesus Christ and they, they lived in a family and they have a, a hope, the, the air of the room is filled with almost electricity. It's this sense of can you believe today's the day? Can you believe this is really happening? Even as I hold their hands and I look into their eyes, as their body is breaking down, as they're, they're giving up everything that they, they ever had, they ever knew, and getting ready for this next life, they are, they are joy-filled. But if I go to a room, which happens a lot of times, 
And I'm called to someone's bedside just eight, nine, ten hours before they're about to pass. The room is, you can taste the darkness. The people are hopeless. They're, they're grasping for some sort of meeting, and so usually is the person in the bed. I sit there, and I'm the one that has the conversations as they try to put together pieces of their lives so that there's some sort of meaning, some sort of foundation, something to go with them. They usually try to look at their kids and, and proclaim, keep this going on, keep this happening, keep that happening, and yet they, 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 their mind is foggy, and so they don't really know if, if, if what they've built is going to last because they know it's... it's not really built on anything that lasts. I don't know about you, but I know which way I want to die. I want to die filled with hope. I want to die filled with purpose. I don't want to die with nothing. Philippians 3, 7, and 8. Paul says this about his life. Whatever I've gained... I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Do you know why people with Jesus die so hope-filled? Because they already lost everything else along the way. They weren't trying to carry it into the grave. They weren't trying to keep tradition alive. They know the Holy Spirit's going to do that. They know the Holy Spirit's going to bless their efforts. They know the Holy Spirit has been imparted to their children and their children's children. They know that their legacy is in the kingdom that lives on and not on this earth. They've already given everything else up. As Paul said, they've already had that loss experience. That's why the opportunity for you today is so special. Because you can actually lose right now. And live the rest of your life fulfilled. Or you can lose then when a guy or gal like me gets called to the bedside to help you put together the decision you didn't make today and what to do about that. Jesus Christ is the greatest example of love and mutual affection that ever was. In our series Out Loud, uh, we, we just, this whole service is inside that series. We're talking about what it means to live an out loud life, to believe more than just in our hearts, but in our hands and in our stories. In 1 Peter 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, it says to this, and once you have godliness, that's this idea of goodness and acceptance of God, once you have that, add to that mutual affection and mutual, uh, to mutual affection love. We know that Jesus is the greatest example of this. He's the greatest example of that affection and that love. It's because of his affection and love for us that through the story of Easter, we can see what Christ fully intended. That is why Easter is so important. Because he lived this out loud life. He just didn't keep it inside himself or just among the Jewish people. He exploded it into the world and into the generations. And it has been passed down from day to day to day. And that's why so many churches around are celebrating what he did. They're celebrating his great heart of compassion, extended and proclaiming to mine and to yours that in him we can all find what we are lacking Easter is a celebration of the time Jesus fully revealed all of this to us. That's what a Christian is. A Christian, I'll put it up there, is one for whom to live is Christ. That's what a Christian is. Nothing else matters like he does. For nothing else has done more for me because of me 
than him. This is the offer. This is what Easter's for, and whether you knew it or not, this is why you're here. And so can I ask you a question? Would you be interested in being a Christian? Would you be interested in stop, stopping the reliance upon yourself and stopping the, the running from the truth of your story? Would you be interested in the completion? Would you be interested in the restoration? How about the forgiveness? How about the cleansing? How about the lightness of knowing you have found the foundation on which to put your feet instead of running around in this world's lukewarm sand, splishing and splashing and making a mess of all your decisions. Would you be interested? For those of you that are, I'm going to pause you just for a second. I'm going to come back to you. I promise that Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to pray the prayer. But I, I want to talk to another group of people just real quick because there's another group of people you've accepted Christ or you grew up with Christ and, and you did some of that it didn't turn out for you. Your, your, um, your story is wounded. Your story is messed up like mine, like ours. And you got hurt by a church or a person or, 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 or frankly, it's just, it seems kind of gamey, kind of manipulative. And so you just, you believe in God and, and, and you get it, but you're just kind of on your own. And, and frankly, you're just kind of bitter. And your, the sense about you is sort of uh, dark. My question for you is, do you remember what it was like to live as a Christian? When you woke up in the morning and there was fullness in you? When you experienced the love of God in your life because you weren't too busy trying to find that love in other people or other substances or other things? When you weren't searching through social media or comparing yourself to people of your own age to see how you're doing in this world? When you just had an identity and you were you, a son, a daughter, a person, a child of God. I think Easter's for you as much as it's for all these visitors that we have. To remember just why he came to offer you life, not a version of life that you've twisted and convinced yourself is okay, but real life. I think it's for you as well, and so I'm going to pray for you as well in just a moment. Because I think some of you need to remember what it was like to live as a Christian. I'd like everyone to bow their heads. That first group of people, those who are interested in being a Christian, I want you to pray this simple prayer. It's not a magical prayer, but it's a pretty good one. Just quietly to yourself, I want you to say, God, it's me. I'm tired of running. Tired of doing it on my own. God, will you find me? I believe, Lord, that you were crucified, that you paid a price for the darkness in this world and in my life. And on this Easter Sunday, I believe and I celebrate the fact that you rose from the dead, that you defeated that darkness, that death, so that I could be in relationship with you. 
Lord, I know it's not going to be easy for me to change the things in my life I need to change, but God, I believe that I'm supposed to do this now. May you draw close to me, bring restoration to me as you come into my life as my friend, as my forgiver, as my healer, and as my savior. Thank you, Lord. For the others in this room and those listening online, you've been following Jesus a long time, but frankly, it's just become a game. You've used excuse after excuse to live a faithless life, or at the very least, a shallow one. You don't value the things you used to. You don't live like a believer. You're just tired of feeling the hollowness. Lord, I pray for those people right now that they would simply take this time to have a conversation with you. A simple one. An honest one. God, they would just pour out their heart to you right now in this moment. Receiving your grace and your forgiveness. Receiving the knowledge that you have never left them. That you have always been there. And that you have incredible plans for their lives. feel your peace and your comfort as they come home to you. Heavenly Father, as we rest in this place of wisdom, in this place of redemption, in this place of sanctification, as we rest in this place may we receive you and your resurrection message for our lives that you are above all else and that nothing else compares to you we thank you Lord from here we bring you our praise Amen